You're listening to the best of Halford and Bruff. You're listening to Halford and Bruff. into the Vancouver zone, gets around Hironic right to the goal, he scores! An unbelievable end-to-end goal by Mikhail Granlund. Playoff teams don't do this sort of stuff. The 58-yard field goal is, it hits the crossbar, it is no good! It hit the crossbar and came back! Honestly, a fan looked at me in my eye over here and said, this is embarrassing. Good morning, Vancouver 601 on a Monday. Happy Monday, everybody. It is Halford. It is rough. It is Sportsnet 650. We are coming to you live from the Kintech Studios in beautiful Fairview Slopes in Vancouver. Jason, good morning. Good morning. Hey, dog. Good morning to you. Good morning. Laddie, good morning to you as well. Hello, hello. Now, we're going to have to work this quickly. We have a new intern on the program. The intern program at the Halford and Bruff Show continues. Intern Joseph is here. Can he yell hello or good morning into the microphone? Do we have the tech capabilities at Sportsnet 650 to do such a thing? That's good enough. Halford and Bruff in the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience a Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. Uh, hour one of this program is brought to you by everythingfinancial.com. Financial freedom awaits. Book your introductory meeting today. Visit them online at everythingfinancial.com. We are coming to you live from the Kintech studio, Kintech Footwear and Orthotics Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. Uh, we got a lot to get to on the program today. Guest list begins at 6 30. David Amber, Hockey Night in Canada, Sportsnet NHL host, is going to join us. There were a pair of Canucks games on the weekend. One was good. One was bad. We'll talk to David about those. We'll also talk to him about the resurgent Edmonton Oilers. Are the Oilers back? This is what I'm going to ask every game. When they win, mm-hmm. and then when they lose, I'm going to ask, are the Oilers cooked? It's going to be a fun, what, 60 games left in the season. 6.30, David Amber is going to join us. 7.30, we normally have Mike Tannier, our NFL insider from The Messenger on, but he was unable to make the show today, so his backup which is very fitting given this NFL season is filled with backups. Uh, Nick Shook from NFL.com. I'm sure Nick lo- loves that. What? Yeah, yeah. Nick the backup. He's the Monday morning backup quarterback. Who's been, a good, who's been a good backup this year? That's a good question. Josh Dobbs? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's our Josh Dobbs. I feel like he's better than Josh Dobbs. Okay, fine. Like actually at football. Mm-hmm. But anyway, Nick Shook's going to join us at 730. We'll whip around everything that happened in the National Football League over, oh my God, Sunday Friday, they threw a Friday game at us. Thursday night football, we'll get into all of it. Nick Shook at 7.30. Uh, 8 o'clock, Kevin Woodley, NHL.com and In Goal Magazine. Uh, we'll discuss what the Canucks did and didn't do over the weekend. Okay, so working in reverse, 8 o'clock, it's Kevin Woodley. 7.30, Nick Shook. 6.30, David Amber. That's the program. Uh, that's what's happening. Laddie, let's tell everybody what happened. Hey, did you guys see the game last night? No. Oh, what happened? I missed all the action because I was... What happened is brought to you by the BC Construction Safety Alliance, making safety simpler by giving construction companies the best in tools, resources, and safety training. Visit them on the internet at bccsa.ca. Mikhail Grandland and Mike Hoffman scored just a minute and 26 seconds apart to start, essentially start the third period, one that was tied 2-2. That was all the San Jose Sharks needed as they held on to defeat the Canucks 4-3 at the SAP Center on Saturday night. So everything good 
that the Canucks did on Friday in that 5-1 win over Seattle mm-hmm. was then undone, wiped away by a very disappointing loss to the worst team in the NHL on Saturday night. Yeah, typically when you get two points out of a back-to-back on the road, uh, you're not going to beat yourself up too much about it. You know, two points out of four, it's a tough situation. Usually they call those second-game scheduled losses, but Saturday's loss to the Sharks. <laughs> Following a very impressive... Well, I'll say third period against the Kraken. It was a good win over the Kraken and a very impressive third period against the Kraken. Um, That loss to the Sharks did not sit well with head coach Rick Tockett. It didn't sit well with A-Dog either, who was like furious on social media. He was like, that is an embarrassing loss. It was. Do you disagree with that assessment? Wait a minute, 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 wait a minute. You went off on social media. Yeah, you go off on social media. You were like, that's an embarrassing loss. It was very, well, you lost to the Sharks. That is in itself is the embarrassing part. Like, and I know the Sharks played the day before, the Canucks did as well. So no excuses. Well, it's, I'll it's give some. Bad. I'll give some credit to the Sharks because they played like they were a little Latvia. They were good. They, yeah, they played. They well. clogged up the shooting lanes and they blocked a lot of shots. Um, but defensively, I, I will agree with you. Like the Granlin goal. What was that? Well, let's start on San Jose's second goal because defensively the Canucks were not good enough. Uh, all of a sudden, Fabian Zetterlund, and you know when Fabian Zetterlund's on the ice, you gotta. You gotta watch for that guy. Always have to account for Fabians. I was I've watched this replay a few times. Go watch it yourself. San Jose's second goal. All the Canucks got caught puck watching. They're like, "Wow, look at that puck!" And look at Zetterland. No, they didn't say that because Fabian <laughs> Zetterland just drifted into the high slot for a one timer and he scored on San Jose's third goal. The one Adog was so upset about, he was just going off on social media. Like I thought he was going to get. I I mean, he's Adog. This is incorrect. He's he's got such a temper on him, such <laughs> a temper. Third goal, Mikhail Granlund goes coast to coast, beating Kronik. One on one before scoring. And yes, it was four on four, so there was a lot of space out there. But you can't let a guy just waltz the whole way down the ice like that. And then Tyler Myers takes a penalty like right after that. Uh, the Sharks make it 4-2 on the power play on a goal that looked like Ian Cole scored it. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, Mike Hoffman uh, got credit for it. Um, 2-2 after 40 minutes for the Canucks has been a bad situation for the Canucks. Yeah. Three of their last four games, I think, they've been tied 2-2 after 40. No points from them yeah. at all. Yeah. And there's a variety of takeaways here. The first, and kudos to one of my favorite listeners and texters, Plop, who texted in bright and early this morning at 522. That's right, Plop. Plop writes in, Rick Tockett's post-game interview on Saturday reminded when my parents used to say, I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. It sounded like Taco was a little uh, bit of both. I think he was pretty mad. Yeah, but I do get the sentiment. Plop. I think you might have been misreading your parents, Plop. They were yeah. also mad. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, Plop. They were You're, disappointed. Yeah, they were both. Anyway, like, should we have named our son Plop? Yeah, this is what Why we do we go with? the legal yeah. route? I can't believe we actually did all this paperwork. <laughs> we should have known this was coming. He texts into a radio station at 5.22 a.m. on a Monday. Anyway, Plop, to your point, you're right. To a certain degree, Rick Tockett was very disappointed. And the line that is going to resonate, I think, for a while is that playoff teams don't do this. And that is a very important thing because I think without making too much of the line, and we'll play the audio here in a sec, Laddie, I think it sort of underscores how frustrated he was in the moment, but also that the bar is going to stay high. 
for this team. There's not going to be anything like you were suggesting about a scheduled loss or a tired team or you take two of four in a back-to-back scenario. Talking ain't having it. The goal and the bar is to make the playoffs. And when the Canucks do things that aren't befitting of a playoff caliber performance, their head coach is going to call them out. Here is Rick Tockett following the 4-3 loss in San Jose to the Sharks on Saturday night. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, you wasted a great effort against uh, Seattle. You know, um, San Jose has been playing good and they worked hard tonight. And we didn't, we tried at the end to come back. And, uh, you know, you got to respect your opponents. This is a... It's a learning lesson. You know, playoff teams don't do this sort of stuff. So uh, another character trait of Rick Tockett's, you know, mad, not disappointed, lose one thing, but uh, maybe a little bit of stubbornness. Someone texted in this morning, unsigned text, so it must be from Gary. Early what we learned, by the way. Get him in. Dunbar Lumber text line is 650-650. Hashtag WWL. What we learned due to Rick Tockett's stubbornness or need to prove a point, we lost to the San Jose Sharks. The Sharks! And then the message goes on to talk about, well, the one obvious thing that was missing from Saturday night's lineup and Friday night's lineup, for that matter, and that's Andre Kuzmenko. Oh, my God. He's putting that on Kuzmenko not being in the lineup? I think. <laughs> I w- I, he would have saved us. I would prefer to use this as a jumping off point because I do think there's some merit to. Kuzmenko would have stopped Granlund through the middle. He would have ne- he never would have let that happen. Let's think about this, though. Second game, back-to-back. Uh, you've already sat him out the one game, so you've proved your point. Mm-hmm. A 39 goal score from a year ago, and when you're putting out an extra attacker, it's Sam Lafferty, and on your power play too, it's Teddy Bluger. I don't yeah. think it's the craziest thing to suggest that maybe Saturday night could have been a game for Kuzmenko to return to the lineup. I think Taka was just in a tough situation because that third period against the Kraken was so good that who are you going to go into the room say you're not playing? Right. And again, as I while I appreciate the text earlier, I'm not for one second suggesting that putting Kuzmenko in it Saturday's game was going to to dramatically alter the outcome. But the Kuzmenko story is a big story right now. Oh, and and there's no doubt. There's no doubt that halfway through the game, or actually maybe a little more than halfway through the game, like when the Canucks were down 4-2 against the Sharks in the third period, even Tockett might have been thinking, wow, I wish we had Kuzmenko out there. You know who'd look good right now? That Kuzmenko fella. Now, he is having a a tough year for sure. Because Brock Besser was going and he had a lot of chances and he ended up scoring two goals. He's got the, he's got the NHL lead in goals. The, the NHL lead in goals right now with 15 is Nikita Kucherov and Brock Besser. And I feel like Besser could have had like 10 goals over the weekend. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he had so many chances. He could have had more than just the two against the San Jose Sharks. But regardless, um, yeah, the Kuzmenko thing is, is, is an issue and it's a problem right now. Um, and so is Petey's line. And Petey is still off, even though he was able to impact the game, uh, not as much as he wanted to, lays a big hit on the San Jose Sharks. They retaliate, end up, uh, the Canucks end up getting a power play. So he was trying to make an impact. You know, a lot of people are talking about his wrist, and I have no doubt, you know, it's the one you can see, right? Mm -hmm. You know, he's taping his wrist at the bench. The way he's moving out there, though, I wonder if it's something else. Like, I wonder if he's got some sort of core injury. I wonder if he's got, uh, you know, a groin injury. Um, I don't have core muscles, so I can't relate to what a professional athlete. I imagine they're quite important out there, right? They're the things in the middle, right? They're the things in the middle, right? Like, I have... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, I don't have those, but... tapping the side of the forehead, Mimi. Can't can't pull them if you don't have them. Yeah. That's the important thing. So, like, all, all... Like, this is all related, right? 
Like, I don't know, because Menko might not even be out of the lineup, but Petey was playing a little bit better. So, right? Because Petey is just not, he's not rolling. So that whole line, that whole line is an issue right now. If if there is an injury at play, Rick Tockett certainly isn't taking it into consideration, but he was Pedersen played 24-09 in the second of a back-to-back in San Jose on Saturday night. He delivered a big hit in the third period. He had an assist. So there's Well, they've been denying there's anything wrong yeah, with him. Yeah, right? and they've been deploying him as such. It's not like his ice time has dropped to around 15 or 16 a night where you're like, mm-hmm. are they trying to shelter his minutes a little bit? He was out there for big minutes against San Jose. Probably a little bit more of an effective game, a little bit more of a, a an, an active, noticeable game, but still not up to the standard. I do wonder if it's because of the line mates that aren't that aren't no, 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 offering no, 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 as no, much. No, no, it's, no, it's nothing to do with that. I it's don't know. Nothing to do with that. Someone texted in. Sure, maybe PD has a bad wrist, but that shouldn't affect his feet moving. He's not moving his feet. I yeah, and I'm noticing that too. Actually, that that was part of our text chain. Uh, I think uh, A-Dog, uh, off on another tantrum on our text chain, so angry. was like talking about, oh, PD, PD's wrist is hurt. I was like, oh, is that hurting his feet? Because they're not moving. Now, people will say, well, he was moving his feet on that hit. Yes, but, you know, the, here's the thing with PD. He went through this funk a couple of years ago, and some people are saying now, well, yeah, because he was hurt then, but that was way more than him being hurt a few years ago. Yeah, he was so, in his, he was in his own head. Mm-hmm. So when it was we, not an uptown. Funk. So when we when we have that knowledge that he's been through this before, it feels like a little bit like we're going through it again, right? Mm-hmm. Like he's making stick handling errors. There's times where his body language looks off. There's times when he just he doesn't look. As engaged, or I guess the word dynamic. Yep, he doesn't a look confidence thing. Maybe yeah, or lack thereof. Like, are, are are is he going through this again? Now, maybe it's a chicken and an egg thing. Maybe the injury causes the confidence issues, et cetera, et cetera. Whatever. Maybe maybe he's tired. I don't know. Maybe he's just tired. But I think with Petey, we're 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 like when that happened, and he pulled himself out of it. Remember rock bottom in Carolina, yep. right? And he pulls himself out of it, and ever since then he's been pretty much terrific. Yeah. Right? And he said, like, yeah, I learned something about that. I'm not going to tell you to create a headline or anything, but, like, I learned something about it, and I was able to pull ourselves out of it, myself out of it. And then we were like, okay, well, hopefully that never happens again. Is it happening again right now? I mean, look, the only reason I mentioned the line mates, and I know you shot that down pretty quick, but the only reason I mentioned is I don't think it's helping the scenario or situation right now. Like, I do not think it's ideal that – uh, Lafferty becomes an option on that line. I don't think it's ideal that Kuzmenko, who had 39 a year ago, is now on pace for 11. And I don't think it's ideal that Ilya Mikheyev, while I like lots of stuff about his game, I think it's fair to say he is not a natural-born finisher. Well, the reason I said, you know, if Petey, if Petey was going a little bit more, then maybe Kuzmenko would still be in the lineup. is yeah, because an egg too, right? No, 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 because Petey is good at, when he's on, he's good at going and getting the puck by himself. Mm-hmm. And he'll create turnovers, right? Like, he'll go in and make it hard on defensemen. And if you've got Petey not doing that and Kuzmenko not doing that, then you got a problem on that line. And sure. that's why a guy like Lafferty might have been in there, right? Oh, yeah. You go you go and get the puck because Petey's not doing it right now. And we can't have a line where only one guy, Mikheyev, is going in there and, and being effective on the forecheck. This all brings up a couple of other guys, because there are two other candidates to put up on that top line, but they're just not scoring, and that's Garland and Beauvillier. Garland, even though he scored in the first game of the
That was the first oh, yeah. game, first goal of the of of the season for the Canucks in that eight one win over the Canucks. He's got two goals on forty seven shots. Now, according to Drancer, a few years ago, he's the Canucks' best goal scorer. So, two goals on forty seven shots. I don't know what's going on there. Beauvillier has just two goals on thirty seven shots. Mm-hmm. Those guys are getting paid a fair amount of money. Their combined cap hit is I don't know approaching what eight nine ten million dollars. Oh yeah, four <laughs> goals between those two guys. You know, I, I know we've been happy with the Canucks bottom six and they have been part of the bottom six but they're not finishing their chances and right now Rick Tockett is like well I don't want to put these guys in the top six they're not scoring I mean it is crazy crazy to me that for the amount of money paid to each party and by that I mean the Beauvillier uh, Garland tandem and then Nils Hoaglander who has outscored the duo almost by double this season despite earning far less money and quite frankly getting far less ice time as he's still averaging around 1033 now here's the thing in the past Garland and Beauvillier have had pretty decent scoring years in the National Hockey League granted they were with different organizations but at their peak those guys were you know like tw- flirting with 20 goals and 40 points we're not even close right now. And part of that has to do with deployment. Like both their ice times are, are way down and they're playing in much more reduced roles. Look at all the shots they've got. Yeah. The the finish is almost alarming when you look at the shooting percentages because they're like Garland shot. He's got a pea shooter, right? Like, I know, but maybe you should, add a couple inches to his stick. It's all physics, right? Right. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> get a little bit. He has the shortest stick. He, he's got to have the shortest stick in the league. He plays mini sticks yeah. in the NHL. And it's a problem because his shot has nothing on it. It's, it's like beyond it's like a muffin. It's like an uncooked muffin. Yeah, well, it's like it's like he's shooting with like a pitching wedge. Yeah, basically. <laughs> and the, the stick is like the size of Meyer's leg. It's re- and it's reflected in the goal totals and shooting percentage. And he's a guy that has shot it at a reasonable rate during times of his career. Mm-hmm. But I think there's a lot of different things at play here. I think that part of it is, you know, now he's down to 13 and a half minutes a night. The shot totals are still there. But if you were going to look at shots versus quality of shots, yeah. I think there'd probably be a stark difference in terms of what a quality shot looks like. Chris and uh, Pitt text in, morning, boys. What about Hoaglander on PD's wing? Uh, he is flying around all over the place and hard on the puck on a four check. Plus, they're buddies, so good vibes. Yep. Well, Hoaglander did get a, he did get promoted. Mm-hmm. During the San Jose game, because Rick Tocca was looking for anything, right? If there's one guy, Fine, from, go for it. If, if there's yeah, yeah. one guy from their bottom six that has earned more opportunities, mm-hmm. I've, like, I've really liked Sam Lafferty's game and everything, but Hoaglander's done it in the goal column. Like, that's the big thing is that in a really limited amount of ice and a limited role, he's found the back of the net. Yeah, and, he's finishing. Right. And that is a huge thing. It's a huge thing for him personally because it shows that there's another. Uh, level and ceiling to his game. I'm not saying that he's going to be an elite level finisher in the NHL or anything, but he's definitely got a little bit higher end skill and higher end finish than yeah. some of the guys currently plotting in that bottom six. Well, Kuzmenko's going to be back in the lineup now. I mean, there, there's no there's no doubt about it. He's not getting he's not getting held out three games in a row, especially after a loss to San Jose. The Canucks do practice today. Um, at Rogers Arena. So we'll see what the lines look like today at practice and hopefully get a few more injury updates on on some guys. Like, what is going on 
with Pew Suter because that's another that guy that they could use in the lineup. Because when you have Pew Suter in the lineup, here's another option that you can have. You can kick PD to the wing, or you can kick JT Miller to the wing, and 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 you can you can you have a little more depth at center, so you can move pieces around a little bit more. Um, after the Canucks practice today, um, they host the Anaheim Ducks, who have really fallen back to earth, yeah, by the way. They stink. I watched them last night. They, they what is it, six six losses in a row now? Yeah, they're six not, losses nine, in a row. Nine, they got 12, pumped, on the pumped by the Edmonton Oilers uh, last night. So <laughs> hopefully that continues because the Canucks could use a win after that loss to San Jose. So it's the Ducks at Rogers Arena on Tuesday. Thursday, it's Vegas at Rogers Arena. So that'll be another test, similar to the Colorado game. And then Saturday, can we call the Flames resurgent? Because Saturday, the Canucks are in Calgary to play, I'm going to say, the resurgent Flames, considering how they started the season. Um, the Flames are by no means a perfect team, but they're playing a lot better than they did at the beginning of the season. So that's three games all within the division this week. Uh, for the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, any other quick stories you want to touch on before we get to Nick Shook, talk a little NFL at 630? Uh, NHL stuff from last night. We had... David uh, Amber, sorry, coming up at 630. Uh, coming in from last night, I just briefly mentioned it there, but the the two stories that are going to come from Edmonton's 8-2 win over the Anaheim Ducks on Sunday night at Rogers Place is going to be one. Connor McDavid uh, appears to be back. Just a cool nine points in his last two games, including <laughs> five against the Ducks. He had three points in, I think it was 18 minutes. And I'm not sure, and we'll talk to David Amber about this because I got this on the list of the questions. I'm g- always going to be hesitant to be like, well, they're back. Well, they're not. Well, they're back. I kind of hate doing it. I know it's great radio fodder. It's decent radio fodder. But um, I think the bigger picture here is, are we starting to see some things even out in terms of the teams that have talent, the teams that are supposed to be good are finally kind of starting to play like it or some semblance like it. Also, are some of these pretenders from the beginning of the year starting to get back to reality here? And are we going to get to kind of get to see what the Western Conference and specifically the Pacific Division are going to look like moving forward? You know what my surprise team to make the playoffs this year would be? I don't I'm not saying I'm not predicting this, but I don't think the Ducks are going to do it. But I think Arizona is better than a lot of people give credit to them. Arizona has been hanging around. They're two points back of the Kraken for the final wild card spot in the conference. They got a plus goal differential. I always look at goal differential at this point. Like Anaheim's goal differential is minus 15. Well, Arizona's is plus two. Seattle, who's currently in the second wild card spot, mostly because they played a bunch of games. Their goal differential is minus 16. Like, that is not a very good team right now. So they've had a resurgent year from Clayton Keller, who's back up to being a point-of-game guy. They picked up enough guys in the offseason in the summer, just sort of scrap-heaping them, guys like Dumba and everybody else, where they've kind of turned into, and Jason Zucker, Mm -hmm. where they're kind of turned into, like, they're not wretched anymore. They're just mediocre, and they're playing like it. I mean, they're basically a 500 team at home and a 500 team on the road, and they're just sort of squeaking and scratching and clawing out points to where it's past American Thanksgiving and they're in the thick of the playoff race in the West. So, yeah, I kind of agree with when did, do you. I don't mean to throw you on the spot. When did the Canucks get their first look at the Coyotes this year? Because that's no got to be coming up relatively soon. I have soon no idea. I didn't, I, at the beginning of the season, I didn't circle the uh, I had a Coyotes game. You didn't? Um, what's that? You didn't? No, no, no. Really? No, no. Oh, okay. Well, if I did, I'd have to circle all the games. <laughs> uh, Corey Perry. This is a weird thing that's going on in Chicago. 
what what is what, what is the reason? I love how Freege came on uh, on Saturday night, uh, the, the headlines, and he's like, "I'm going to add some clarity to the Corey Perry situation." I was like, "Freege, you didn't add any clarity. This is still still a weird situation." Right? So nobody's added any yeah. clarity to this. So last week we mentioned that Corey Perry had been healthy, scratched from a game, and missed a pair of uh, Chicago Blackhawks Blackhawks practices. Uh, and then on Saturday, the general manager of the Blackhawks, Kyle Davidson, finally took to the podium and said that Perry would remain away from the team for, quote-unquote, the foreseeable future. Why that decision came down and the reasoning behind it was not disclosed. The team offered no further details, only to say that it was an organizational decision. But then, just to make things even murkier, Corey Perry's agent, Pat Morris, released a statement on Saturday that read, quote, Corey Perry has stepped away from the Blackhawks to attend to a personal matter. Corey and his family appreciate privacy at this time. So they can't even get the messaging right as to whose decision it was because mm-hmm. the Blackhawks said it was theirs. And then the agent said, no, it was our decision. It was the player's decision. So we're not really sure what's going on. But there's a real bigger picture here, and that involves Connor Bedard. And the two guys that they brought in to kind of mentor him this season are kind of gone. Corey Perry stepped away or banished, depending on which story, whatever the story is you believe. And Taylor Hall is done for the year with uh, an injury. Yeah, they still got some vets left there in Chicago, right? Like Foligno is still there. Uh, the great Jason Dickinson is still there. He had a hat trick the other day. And maybe this is ultimately <laughs> big picture what's best for the Chicago Blackhawks to be really, really bad again and get yet another high-impact young player. But here's the issue, and here's the challenge for the Blackhawks. They are trying to build a new culture there. Mm. They are trying to build the next Taves, Kane, Duncan Keith culture in Chicago, and it's going to be on Bedard to lead it. So do you believe that these guys need to be shown by someone how to build a new culture, or do you believe that guys like Connor Bedard, and that includes guys like Sidney Crosby or, or Connor McDavid, do you believe it's innate in them and that they can build that culture by themselves? So far for Bedard this season, you know, we're a quarter way through the season. I think it's fair to say he's been good, but maybe not as prolific as it, well, some okay. expected, given given the ridiculous hype that. Do you remember every Bedard shift, every Bedard, every Bedard anything was getting so much attention uh, earlier in the season? It's gone away now. Oh, it's very similar to what's going on with Victor Wembanyama in uh, San Antonio. Is that we talked about these two great transcendent sort of generational talents coming into the league. The Spurs are three and fourteen. They've lost twelve straight games, and Wemby is not the let's turn it every five seconds and flip the cameras over mm-hmm. for Wemby watch. But he hasn't been a disaster, and nearly and neither and, of them. Neither have. is neither is Connor Bedard. You're listening to the best of Halford and Bruff. You're listening to the best of Halford and Bruff. It was not a great Saturday for the Canucks after a very good Friday. Uh, the win over Seattle, which unfortunately schedule wise, especially with this show. Anytime there's a back-to-back over the weekend, the first game, win or lose, always gets overshadowed because it's the most recent game that's in everyone's minds. And mm-hmm. in this particular instance, what happened in San Jose really did undo a lot of the good vibes from that very nice <laughs> third period in Seattle on Friday. Well, Tuckett even said it afterwards. He said, you wasted the Seattle effort. I was like, yeah, I think I think you still get the two points for that win, Rick. Yeah, I, 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 I'm with you on that. Like, I think that I appreciate what you're saying. And he wants to keep the bar high, and he doesn't want to let any of these excuses or tiredness or any of that stuff creep in. 
Look, the schedule is the schedule. Canucks have played, if I'm not mistaken, 10 games in their last 17 nights in eight different cities. So it, the wear and tear of that is real. Including right? some back-to-backs. And Friday, Saturday was a back-to-back. That being said... It's three back-to-backs in the last couple of weeks. The Canucks are one of four teams to lose to the San Jose Sharks this year. And the San Jose Sharks have played a lot of different teams. Right? They're just at about the 20-game mark like everyone else. And they are... That's just a really bad hockey team. I don't know how else to put it. Mm-hmm. I know that they tried hard. I heard all the platitudes afterwards. Like, you got to give the Sharks credit for showing up and trying hard, which for them is a step in the right direction. Well, they did block a lot of shots. And they blocked some shots. Yeah. But when everyone else, and quite literally everyone else in the NHL is feasting on those kinds of mm-hmm. teams, that I think that's why Tockett said what he said. Well, earlier in the show, I pointed out two pretty bad defensive um, situations for the Canucks that resulted in San Jose goals. Fabian Zetterlund, nobody watching this guy. Mm. Everyone on the ice playing for the Vancouver Canucks, puck watching. Zetterlund just drifts into the slot for a wide-open one-timer. And then the third goal by San Jose was Michael Granlund out there. And I know he, he's he's not a bad player. He's actually a pretty, pretty good player. Mm-hmm. But him going coast-to-coast... Like the Canucks weren't moving their feet, and everyone will point uh, to Horonic for not doing a very good job on the one-on-one, and he didn't do a very good job on the one-on-one. But the Canucks forwards out there were not moving their feet. They just they just let them waltz through the neutral zone and mm-hmm. into the zone, and you know that that makes it difficult for a defenseman to play that. And Horonic, yes, he should have played it better, but when any player in the NHL is coming at you full speed, that's a tough play to make. So overall, I think what Rick Tockett was probably saying when he said, you got to respect your opponents, is that the Canucks didn't respect the Sharks. They were like, yeah, we've seen these guys already. Yeah, We can beat these guys easily. We can even beat them when we don't have our A game. Because the second time the Canucks beat the Sharks, they didn't have their A game. They didn't play particularly well. But they finally, well, not finally, it was only three games, but the third game... You know, it caught up to them. Just bad habits. And Rick Tockett is always talking about your, your your staples, like the staples of your diet. They weren't there for the Canucks, and it cost them. Uh, so when we talk about Rick Tockett, when we have spoken about Rick Tockett this year, I think the reviews have almost been universally glowing and positive. Everyone likes the job that he's done, and that's not just locally. I think that goes on a national level as well. He's probably in contention, if not the leading guy, for the Jack Adams right now. That said, I do want to reflect what a lot of the listeners are texting in, and and I've seen pundits write about it as well. Right? I think iMac wrote about it for sports that it is the Kuzmenko decision to extend that healthy scratch to two games. You can, Look, I we talked about this off the top, and you kind of chuckled, and rightly so, when I said, you know, Kuzmenko's in on Saturday. Maybe things are different. Kuzmenko's not going to single-handedly win you a game. But I think there's an argument to be made that when you're a tired team and you're on the second of a back-to-back and you've traveled overnight from Seattle to San Jose and yeah. you could use some freshness and when you're putting an extra attacker on at the end and it's Sam Lafferty and when Teddy Bluger is on your second power play unit, at the very least... Very least, there's a case to be made that Kuzmenko could have been back in on Saturday. You know what I think the toughest part for Tockett was, though, in his defense? That they won. Um, no. Oh. The game in Seattle, what was everyone saying? It was the bottom six sure. that got it done, for sure, right? For sure, for sure. So who are you going to take out? It's a good question. It does seem unfair that after a win in which a lot of bottom six guys that were candidates to be scratched kind of either scored or did something of significance. Right. 
who do you take out? Like you don't want you don't want to punish. Like that's how you lose a room. By the way, if you're a head coach, there's lots of way to lose a room. But if you don't um, appreciate what your foot soldiers do for you, totally, then that's it. a way to lose the room, right? So who so who who were you going to take out after that Seattle game? That was that was a tough situation for Talkit, but I don't disagree. Like watching the game, I was like, you know, especially when they were down. Yep. Uh, in the third pair, it's like I was. I wish Kuzmenko was out there. So listen. No, it's today's today's practice at Rogers Arena. Uh, I think it's going to be really interesting to see what the lines are. Well, can because, I just jump because in? Because I, I wonder if Taka might just do like a big line shuffle. Uh, can I jump in for a sec here? You know who would have been a candidate? No. You know who would have been a candidate to get dropped after the win against Seattle? I hate saying it, and it's uh, very disappointing, but it's a real one. PDG. Phil DiGiuseppe could have been dropped out of that lineup because he barely Probably, yeah. he barely played. <laughs> I thought you said PD. <laughs> no, 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 no. P PDG. PDG. <laughs> Phil DiGiuseppe, the guy we once called. Get ready to hit the found, hot take horn. Found money, Phil. <laughs> Drop Elias Pete. Oh, that's too obvious. Pete Pedersen. He's down to, what is it, 12 minutes, 13 minutes of ice time. So he's he's got bottom six minutes. He's not really producing. He's probably doing all the little things and details that everyone has grown to love. Mm-hmm. But you could have made an argument there that of all the bottom six guys, and look, you're not going to drop Nils Oman after he had two assists against the Kraken. You're not going to drop Bluger after he scores. Hoaglander, well, you're Joshua. not going to you're not going to drop any of these centers. No, right? Bovillier uh, maybe until Pew maybe Bovillier, maybe Bovillier. Maybe he hasn't been awful, but. He- he, does, he has trouble finishing. He has problems getting the puck in the net. Right. I mean, well, him and Garland, their their finishing rates are a problem for this team right yeah. now. Like who uh, among the wingers? Among the wingers on this team, besides Brock Besser, who has obviously been terrific at finishing this season, although he probably should have more goals considering the chances he's had. Yeah. But overall, he's been unbelievable. He's got the most goals in the NHL. Who's a great finisher on the Canucks right now on the wings? Oh, nobody. <laughs> Nobody. Yeah. It was Kuzmenko last year, and Kuzmenko's way off. Mm-hmm. Now I think, like I, I, I wonder, I wonder. I, I this is why I'm curious about Pew Suter because I think if Pew Suter comes back in the lineup, it gives Rick Tockett the option to reunite the Lotto line, and I think that might be an idea right now. Oh, it's percolating for sure. If you want to get the sort of choke chain, break glass in case of emergency, quick fire starter for Petey. It's get the lotto line back together. The, the issue there is what becomes of <laughs> the rest of your life. Like, what does your second line become if you put the lotto line back together? Because it gets real thin, right? I mean, who becomes... Well, it's better to have one line going than in your top six. Remember at the beginning of the season how good we were feeling about the top two lines? We're not feeling good about, frankly, at five on five. At five on five, we're not feeling good about any of those lines. They did right score now. eight goals over the two games in San Jose. And how many Seattle. were on the power play? How many were at five on five? Not many. Um, not many. How many? Yeah. How many of the goals? None against, in San Jose because well, the, San Jose they were power play merchants. A well, lot, was power the two power play goals and then six on five was their third goal. So they didn't have any five on five goals against the San Jose Sharks. So the Canucks will practice today at Rogers Arena. And um, I'll be curious to see what Rick Tockett has to say about any potential injury updates, if there's going to be a Pew Suter injury update, but also what the lines look like as they prepare for the Anaheim Ducks on Tuesday night uh, at Rogers Arena. (laughs) 
8.03 on a Monday. You're listening to the Alfred Brough Show on Sportsnet 650. Kevin Woodley's going to join us in just a moment here. I'm laughing because during the break, Brough and I were talking about how certain people get their nicknames. Some of them come by them honestly, right? Like, Woodley is like Woody or Woods or whatever. I mean, that's pretty straightforward, right? So, Brough's texting back and forth in the in-basket with someone with the handle Grimace. Yeah. Right? Which is obviously... Like the McDonald's character. Mm-hmm. The iconic gigantic purple blob. Yeah. Right? I think it's a potato. What? I think it's a potato. It's a giant purple potato. You are going to Google that right now while I tell the story <laughs> because I don't think that's I don't right. think that's the case, buddy. Um, so I used to... I'm going to be as vague as I can because this person is probably still around and kicking. I don't want to... But so anyway, I used to work with an individual and we were required to wear suits at this job. Okay. And this individual... Happened to have an affinity for this one particular very purple suit. Did, you didn't work with Willy Wonka, did you? <laughs> I was rank and file at the chocolate factory. <laughs> anyway, uh, that person got the nickname Grimace. It took about five minutes of seeing that suit to be, be like, "You're Grimace, right?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anytime you wear, like, what have I done? Anytime you wear a lot of purple, you're either getting Grimace or you're getting Barney. Yeah, and a close third Willy Wonka. Anyway, yeah. but so the problem was is that the, the nickname and the reference spread too fast and too quickly and this person was our superior so i had to start calling this person grimace like an italian influence grimace just so that they'd throw him off the scent a little bit mm-hmm. it didn't work they knew exactly what we were talking about right so yeah. anyway. okay uh, by the way a grimace is the embodiment of a milkshake or a taste bud this what is, mcdonald's has had two different stances. So not a potato no he's either a the embodiment of a milkshake or a taste bud. That was uh, the, that marketing campaign came up in the '60s when everyone was doing acid. Yeah. <laughs> what if I got a great idea? <laughs> what if the taste bud was human-like, but also a large amorphic blob, and it just wandered around? Okay, uh, Woodley's on hold. Woods, Woodley, Grimace. Uh, we got a couple things to get to before we get to him. Halford and Bruff in the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience a Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer. Today we are in hour three of the program. Hour three is brought to you by Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound. Visit them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today. We are coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider. Supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find a perfect fit at kintech.net. Joining us now as we cram more business into the show, a presentation of White Rock Hyundai. Uh, Kevin Woodley joins us now on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. What up, Woods? Not much. Like It's not quite the same as the old morning wood days and the erectile dysfunction reads, eh, boys? But uh, this is what happens when you get into your 50s. You know what excites me in the morning now? Being able to drive without having to stop for gas. This is this is what excites me, the world of EVs. So I'm, okay, so you've I'm got just it, you've, as pumped up as I used to be for the morning wood. So uh, you've, you've traded the ED for the EV. There you go. Brilliant. Thank well, you. Brilliant. John. And Thank I you. had to I had to go, and I as I'm a professional, I wanted to make sure I got the pronunciation right. It's Hyundai. Hyundai? Hyundai, right? I Not Hyundai, which... Oh, really? Let's just say the people that, when I did my reads, I, there was a little bit of anguish for the person that had to record them, because that was a tough switch for me. So one more time, Hyundai? Hyundai. Okay. All right. And it's on a Monday. Okay, Kevin, uh, let's get into what happened on Saturday 
and Friday for the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, it's it's hard to look back. Anytime we do a Monday show and there's a, a back-to-back, it's tough to really digest and analyze the first game because the second game was fresh in mind. And in this particular instance, really fresh in mind because the Canucks are now just one of four teams to have lost to the San Jose Sharks this year. Uh, let's just get some opening thoughts on what you saw, what you liked, what you didn't like. 4-3 loss in San Jose on Saturday. Well, let's just say I liked a lot about Friday night in Seattle. Yep. Um, and you know what? Like, I know Talkett hated it. it. The mistakes were egregious. They gave away easy goals, right? And we've talked about it in this league. Like, when you give away easy goals, it's, it's tough to make it up. And um, the, But overall, like, overall, they, they should have scored about five or six. Like, they also got goalied a little bit here. Like, when I look at the high-danger chances they created, there were 14. Like, that is a really high number. Their expected was over five. Like, this was just about sort of a lack of consistency and, and mistakes defensively that just led to easy goals. And so I understand because it's the Sharks, the reaction is to, is to be really upset by it. But, you know, on back-to-back with the travel, I'm, I guess I'm, I'm – and this is – we've been pretty hard-assed around here, house of negativity – but I'm I'm a little more lenient on this one than maybe the head coach was in the post game. Like, it wasn't great, but these are going to happen. Yeah, a dog was all over the Canucks too. I mean, I've, yeah. I've never seen the guy so embarrassing. mad. Embarrassing. He, he called it an embarrassing loss, and I I gave credit to the Sharks because I thought they did a pretty good job of staying in the shooting lanes and, and blocking shots. And Brock Besser by himself could have had five goals in that game. Now he did have two, so you give him credit for finishing those chances. But I think. Um, we were having this conversation earlier in the show. Besides him, who do you like on the wings right now for scoring goals? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, it's like it's it's like the defense. It's by committee. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's that's a fair question. They, but, but I mean, in Seattle, we weren't asking this question, right? They were getting it from the third and fourth lines. They were getting those contributions. So. Um, put me on the spot, and I, you know, obviously Andre Kuzmenko's in the press box, and yeah. it'll be interesting to see how much longer that holds up. JT's doing it mostly on the power play and, and out of the middle. Um, Kuz, uh, Mikheyev's kind of cooled off a little bit here as well. That line's kind of cooled off. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think you do like, you know, like, this is, is what makes it hard on Tuesday night in terms of the Kuzmenko decision, you don't hate what Lafferty gave you. Like, if he doesn't clip Kakin and skate, that's a totally different game. Like, don't you feel like if that counts, uh, going to the net hard and redirecting that short side on Kakin, and, and it was goalie interference, but I'm not sure it actually made a difference because he was pulling away from the, the side that Lafferty tips it sort of against the grain. It was a nice play. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, ha- are you taking him out of there, given what he produced even if one didn't count in those two nights given the forecheck given some of of what he created that you might not get if you make that switch it's it's for a team that's off to such a hot start as much as i don't want to overreact to the san jose game there are a lot of really fascinating and interesting decisions coming in the next couple of days both in terms of how the coaches handle things and also in terms of how the team reacts um, not just with Anaheim. I mean, they got spanked last night by Edmonton. They've lost a bunch in a row, um, but that's a dangerous animal. And then, obviously, with Vegas coming in on Thursday, this is a fascinating week uh, to be around the rink and following the Vancouver Canucks because I'm, I'm curious to see which way a lot of these decisions go. 
Kev, what's the most fascinating goaltending situation in the NHL right now, not including Edmonton? We've, <laughs> we've talked enough about the Edmonton Oilers goaltending situation. I'm wondering about teams that came into the season, like the Edmonton Oilers, with Stanley Cup aspirations like New Jersey and Carolina. What's going on with those two teams? Because their overall team save percentage is among the worst in the league. Yeah, and, and the thing with Carolina is, you know, a lot of times you'll hear me talk about environment and, you know, the goalies can only do so much. The environment in Carolina is fine, right? Like, they're they're not quite where they are, typically are, which is, like, top three in the league defensively, but they're still easily within the top ten of every category except penalty kill in terms of what they give up. Um, they're just not getting the goaltending. And, listen, I think Freddie Anderson, for, for as much criticism as he's had over his career, you know, come playoff time and things like that, like, there's a steadiness to his game and a consistency to his game that fits that team really well so you lose him to the blood clots and all of a sudden you're asking Antti Ranta who is really good in limited minutes and and has been really good when he stays healthy now you're asking him to be the number one and that's not a role that he's ever really had success or been comfortable in like he can give you really good 1B minutes but asking him for more than that there's been a lot of inconsistency as his games played goes up here and you know, Peter Kachetkov, um, all the talent in the world. I know Greg Ballack on the other side of the glass there was really excited to see him throwing out giant sweeping poke checks off the backhand the other night. Um, but with sort of some of the, the sexiness, for lack of a better term, of, of the saves he makes, there's a real inconsistency to his game, perhaps in parts because he relies so much on on that type of reactive or, or aggressiveness. And that doesn't, that's tough behind a care. The way Carolina defends to have an inconsistent goaltender who, you know, relies on sort of feel and rhythm and timing. That, that's a bit of a tough mix. And he doesn't have a ton of experience. I'm not saying there's still not a ton of upside there, but that's what you've got. Like you've lost a guy in Anderson who was just really steady for you. And that puts the other guy in a role he's not comfortable with. So, and Jersey, I mean, honestly, more the same. I wasn't, as sold as others on Akira Schmid, and, and again, he's in the NHL probably earlier than anybody expected him to be. And Vitek Vanacek, I've said it before, and you know, I put it in fantasy football terms. You know, somewhat of a high floor, but a low ceiling. Mm-hmm. And so, as the injuries have piled up to Hughes, and um, obviously they're missing Heischer for a while, uh, their game has kind of cratered a little bit. They're not getting the offense that that they enjoyed early in the season, and they're relying on goaltending. And frankly, they don't have a goaltending tandem that's built to be relied on. Is there a team out there that is getting? unsustainably good goaltending like we you, I, what, what I really appreciate about your analysis is that it takes the defensive environment into um, into account uh, is there a team out there that maybe has a really high save percentage but shouldn't have a high save percentage that's, a, that's actually you know I mean we saw them come crashing down to earth a little bit um, on the weekend uh, again back to back games um, but the Boston Bruins, it kind of reminds me of Carolina. Um, are they still a good defensive team? Yes. Are they where they've been in the years past? You know, top five, top three? No, they're, they're a little more mid-pack. Ninth overall, uh, 13th most off the rush. PK's dropped into sort of the, the mid-teens as opposed to always being top 10 in expected goals. And they've been getting exceptional goaltending 
from Allmark and Swayman. And obviously the unique nature uh, of their sort of back-and-forth tandem and, and the partnership that they have, you know, it, it's really easy to cheer for. But up until the weekend, they were both sort of at a level. You know, you'd heard me talk about Demko, right, being like plus five on expected save percentage. And right. it's incredible, but nobody's ever done it before. So it was bound to come back down to earth, and it has. And those are two guys who might have a little more down-to-earth coming, um, especially if the defensive game craters. Because I think when you lose Krejci, when you lose Bergeron, you have the attention. Your coach has the attention of your players in terms of we all need to pick up defensively what these guys did, the standard that Bergeron set for this team defensively for years. It's easy to get that early. I think as the season goes on, that's where the everyday excellence of a Patrice Bergeron and demanding that from those around him, you might see that wane. And if that starts to wane, you know, they've leaned so heavily on goaltending, and as good as those two are, it's been at a level that's really tough to maintain over, over a full 82. So I still love the tandem. They're still the best tandem in the league, but there might be a little slippage coming. Just, you know, reality. Reality is they can't play at that level forever. I'm curious, what do the numbers say about the Canucks? Um, defensively, they are... And this, is, this was the question coming into the season, right? Like when Taka came in from... January 22nd on, they were a top-five defensive team. Mm-hmm. And in, in terms of not giving up high-danger chances, and Lord knows that's not what they were before and hasn't been for years, they've maintained that. They're fourth overall in high-danger five-on-five expected goals against, and I've talked about this a little bit. Like, That's not just a good sign in terms of the environment and a lot of what Taka talks about for the goalies, You know, not having to worry about the back-and-forth saves as often, being able to sort of just split the ice in half and focus on one side. Um, but really, that number in particular tends to bode very well come playoff time. And I'm not trying to put you know, the cart ahead of the horse here because they still have to make the playoffs, but they've obviously built up a nice cushion. And it slipped a little in the last couple of weeks, but still, even with the slippage, it's top ten. The one that's killing them, the one that is still way below where it needs to be in terms of expected, you know, high-danger chances, expected goals against, the PK is still 29th. And that's got to improve. The other thing that's come up a little bit, like they're still, you know, bottom, bottom third in terms of what they're creating other than the power play, which is up to seventh. But in the last two weeks, if I filtered out for the last two weeks in terms of, you know, where teams are trending. You're listening to the best of Halford and Bruff.